Hey, my name is Alyssa Wolf, and as a chronic pain specialist, I am on a mission to empower you to tackle your chronic pain naturally by uncovering hidden truths about pain and exposing the deeper cause. I aim to help you transform your relationship with pain because you've been in this relationship for long enough and you deserve better. You just need a little help to get out of it. And that is what the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast is all about. I'll be busting pain management myths, teaching you some of the mind-blowing neuroscience of pain, and help you overcome some of the roadblocks that are keeping you from seeing real, long-term improvements in pain. Stick with me, and in no time, you'll learn the keys to breaking up with stubborn pain so you can get back to doing what makes you, you, and living your fearless and fulfilling life. So if you have chronic pain and are looking for no fluff, natural, science-backed pain relief solutions, pull up a seat and get cozy because you are in the right place. Let's get started. So you guys, the numbers are in. And if you are at all interested in numbers, data, outcomes, and stuff like that, then stick around because I am going to tell you the exact data, the exact outcomes of all of my clients. And I'm doing something a little bit crazy, but I want to be fully transparent with you. Like seriously though, like I don't know of any other provider or doctor or program that shows you their exact outcomes of their patients or their clients. Like, could you imagine if one of your doctors compiled all of their patients' data outcomes and shared it with you beforehand? It kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like if maybe they have something to hide. Maybe if they actually showed you their data, their outcomes, you wouldn't end up having that surgery or having those adjustments or spending hours of your time or months of your time going to the physical therapy appointments. I digress, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a look at the real data, the real outcomes of all my clients. Okay. Something about this for me feels super vulnerable. And yet at the same time, it's super exciting to be able to brag about my clients and share the kind of results my clients are getting and like celebrate what's actually going on in my clients' lives. Now, for many of you listening, you've had pain for a while now, and it's impacted every aspect of your life, right? Like it affects your energy, your activity, your relationships, your sleep, your job, your mood, your memory, your sex life. It's caused so much heartache and frustration, disappointment, guilt, shame, and brokenness. It's caused so much fear. It's created anxiety and a deep sadness and worry for your future life. And pain makes you feel like you just can't really be present in the moment because it consumes your thoughts because you feel like you have no control. It focuses all of your thoughts on your fears about the future and makes you mourn your past life. And it feels like you have no control. You have no idea what's causing the pain or what you did wrong or what to do next. If it's all in your head or if something is actually really wrong that your doctors could be missing something really big and bad and dangerous. And so it's all consuming, right? At least this is the, the experience that my clients described to me. And I think it's because of that, that so many of my clients struggle to envision what their life could look like with less pain. Now, at the very beginning of my program, I asked my clients what their goals are and like, why do you want less pain? Like, what is it that you want to be able to do? What are your goals? You know, and most of my clients struggle so much with this. And I think it's because 
the pain has consumed so much of their lives for so long that it becomes hard to imagine what a life with less pain would look like. Some of my clients, you know, they even say that they don't know what it's like to have no pain at all. So, and so they can't even imagine what that's like because they don't know what it's like to not have pain somewhere in their body 24 seven. Some of them have never had that experience. And after trying so many different ways to address the pain and nothing really ever working, it really seems like there is no way out. And I think in that way, the pain ends up blocking our ability to think for the future. I mean, think about it. If every time you make plans, the pain hijacks your plans and derails things. And every day you wake up in fear because you have no idea what kind of day it's going to be. Then eventually you start to learn that you have no control and you start to learn to stop making plans, right? And so in a way, I think that it's actually possible that our brains, when in a protective state, when in this like fight or flight state, it's safer to avoid making future plans and setting goals. And so for a system that's already trying to so hard to protect you, that system is going to shut down your ability to create goals and make plans and dream. Because big plans and big dreams, they involve taking risks, they involve change, they involve the potential to to try and fail, and those things don't feel safe. And so instead, that system is going to say, no, right? Like, no, we're safer right here where we're at right now. So don't try anything new. Don't think ahead or dream. Don't set goals because I'm much safer here not trying and not taking risks. Thinking about what's possible about your goals and your dreams when you have chronic pain is hard. Envisioning a life with less pain may be hard for some of you listening. And also for some of you, and maybe for all of you, you have your doubts and you have a whole lot of skepticism, right? Everything that you've already done, everything that you've already tried, because you've already tried like all of the things, none of that has had any success or any lasting success. And you're still dealing with this pain, right? And so with one failed attempt, one failed treatment after another, over time, you really start to learn that nothing works and you can become more and more convinced that nothing will ever work. And so some of you probably feel guilty about the time and money you've already spent on trying to solve this problem and you simply just cannot afford another disappointment. And so let me tell you, you guys, I know how much people with chronic pain have had to deal with. Y'all have been lied to so many times, let down and disappointed and misled so many times and fed so much BS. Honestly, if I were in your situation, I would be so skeptical and cynical. Like, it's a wonder to me that y'all are not even more skeptical and cynical. But yeah, of course, you're skeptical. It makes sense to me. And also, you know, early in my career, when I decided to specialize in chronic pain, and I committed to being a safe place for people with chronic pain to land, I knew that I would have to be vulnerable and transparent in order to earn anyone's trust. And so I want you to know that I value transparency. I believe that being transparent with you is important. 
even though it really, it feels a little bit vulnerable to me, like I'm lifting up my skirt, so to speak, or like kind of showing you what's behind the curtain. But I believe that you really need transparency. People with chronic pain deserve transparency, right? You need someone to be honest with you for once. And so that is why today I'm going to share all of my client data outcomes with you so that those of you who are struggling to imagine what is possible can see the reality of what is possible and what's actually happening. So that those of you who are skeptical of if this actually works or wonder if this is just some sort of scam, so that you can take a very honest look at the raw data, the outcomes from my previous clients. And so that those of you who are starting to believe that nothing will ever work, will see these outcomes that others have been able to achieve and hopefully have hope again, right? Now, if you couldn't already tell, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I'm really into research and science and data. And so I collect quite a bit of data and metrics from my clients, mostly so that I know that what I'm teaching is actually working and whether I'm helping my clients get real results. And so in my program, I ask my clients to fill out a pretty detailed initial self-assessment they fill that out at the very beginning of their time in the program. It's the very first thing that they do, giving us kind of a snapshot of how they're doing at the very beginning before they actually get started. And then I ask them to fill out a final self-assessment. And now it's the same self-assessment that they fill out again, but they do it again after 16 weeks. And those self-assessments include quite a few measures to help kind of paint this picture or a more objective picture of how they're doing in several different areas. So we look at sleep, anxiety, fatigue, brain fog, and pain, uh, among others, just, just to kind of name a few for now. But we end up with two data points for every one of those metrics. Uh, an initial data point, which tells us, like I said, where they're at when they get started, and then a final data point, um, which tells us where they were at the very end uh, after 16 weeks. And so what I did was I put all my clients' data into a spreadsheet. I crunched the numbers. I averaged out the scores for all of my clients on all of those different metrics. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. Now, one thing to note is that, and this is kind of a bit of a disclaimer, is that I don't require that my clients complete both of these self-assessments. I don't require it because this is their information and they have every right to keep that information to themselves. If they don't wanna complete these assessments for whatever reason, I respect that and I won't force anyone to share their personal information with me if they don't want to, right? That's their right. So full disclosure, again, for the sake of transparency, I was only able to compile all of the data from those of my clients who completed both their initial and final self-assessments. So I hope that makes sense. I'm only able to share the data from those clients who completed both their initial and final self-assessments. But that's kind of how it is a lot of the time in any kind of research study, right? So I am sharing the data that I do have. So what I'm gonna do is go through the data and then I'm going to talk about what the data shows. And then I'm going to talk about what the data doesn't show. And you're going to want to stick around for that. So let's take a look at the data, shall we? Now, I'm going to pull up some graphs on the screen so that 
you can see exactly what I'm talking about. And if you are listening and would like to see the graphs that I'm talking about, I'll leave a link in the show notes where you can see what I've got up on the screen. So first of all, let's start with the degree that pain interferes with life. So this is one of the measures that I use in the self-assessment. And we're measuring the degree that pain is interfering with a person's life. And what this assessment looks at is it kind of looks at how much is pain interfering with different aspects of your life? Like how much is pain interfering with your energy level? How much is pain interfering with your sex life or your relationships? How much is pain interfering with your ability to work or sleep or your mood or your functional ability, things like that. And so this metric gives us some information about how much pain is interfering with all different aspects of life, which is really cool. And so this scale, it runs from zero to 10, zero being no interference and 10 being like it's pain, it interferes hundred percent in all aspects of life. And so what you can see is that my clients on average start at about uh, a 6.7 on that scale. And what's really cool is they're finishing up the program with that being at a three. So they're, the degree of pain interfering with their lives reduces from a 6.7 out of 10 to a three out of 10, which is really, really cool to see. And another thing to note is that when we look at this scale, which is a tool that's often used in research, we want to look for how do we know when an improvement has reached a significant level, uh, a, a clinically and statistically significant improvement. And so um, based on the research, what we want to see is an, a change or an improvement of two points or more on this scale and anything two points or more on this scale is considered statistically and clinically significant. And so the fact that my clients are able to, on average, achieve a 3.7 point improvement on this scale is more than statistically and clinically significant, which is really cool. Next up, we're looking at the activity level. So the activity level of my clients is measured on two different scales. So we're looking at the tolerance for activity and the um, degree of functional ability. So how much are people able to function with various different specific activities? So the scale for tolerance for activity is a very simple scale. It asks them to grade their tolerance for activity from zero to 10. And my clients went from a 3.6 on that scale, 3.6 out of 10 to up to a 7.3 out of 10, which is pretty incredible. Um, and then we also look at that functional ability scale, which looks at their ability to function across different specific activities, things like squatting, standing, walking, reaching, lifting, climbing stairs, and things like that. And so it asks them to rate their functional ability with those different tasks. And so uh, again, their functional ability improved from 3.9 on that scale up to a 7.4 on that scale, which is fantastic. Then we also get to measure severity of brain fog and severity of fatigue. And so that's what this graph is showing. And so for both fatigue and brain fog, that's measured on a scale from zero to 10 in terms of its severity. And so for my clients, they started at an average level of fatigue of 6.8 out of 10. 
And that drops down significantly down to a 3.5 out of 10. And then when it comes to brain fog, they rated their brain fog on average at a 6.5 and that on average reduced down to a 3.1. Again, these are significant changes and improvements in these values. Then, of course, we measure pain intensity in the program. And so that's what this graph is showing us. I measure pain at its best and from 0 to 10, and I measure pain at its worst from 0 to 10. And what we see here is that pain at its best on average started at about a 3.3 on that scale, and it was able to reduce down to a 1.8 on that scale, which is so cool. Um, and then also what's even bigger, uh, a bigger improvement, as you can see, is that pain at its worst started out on average for all of my clients at about an 8.1. So pain at its worst starting out in 8.1, but that pain level reduced down to a 4.6 out of 10. And that's pain at its worst. So 4.6 at its worst on average for my clients at the end of their 16 weeks, which is really cool when you think about it. Then we also want to look at sleep. And so that's what this graph, graph is showing. It shows both the quality of sleep on a scale from zero to 10 and the actual hours of sleep that people are getting each night. So at the beginning of the program, on average, my clients would grade their quality of sleep at a 4.6 out of 10. And that improved by the end of the program all the way up to an average of 7.1 out of 10 for quality of sleep, which is super neat. And then in terms of the quantity of sleep that my clients were getting, um, it started out at, on average, uh, my clients were getting about 6.3 hours initially, and that improved to 7.3 um, hours of sleep per night by the end of the program. Then we get to look at our digestive and reproductive system problems or the severity of digestive system symptoms and the severity of reproductive system symptoms. And so when it comes to this, you know, when it comes to chronic pain, there are so oftentimes uh, the pain is associated with these other uncomfortable and unpleasant symptoms involving the digestive system and or the reproductive system. And that can look and present itself in so many different ways. And so I don't specify specific symptoms like for example, like uh, diarrhea or constipation or acid reflux. I don't specify specific things like menstrual cramping, abnormal periods, symptoms of endometriosis or food insensitivities, things like that, because there's a wide range of different symptoms that people will experience. But um, either way, we kind of keep it kind of broad when we're, when we're looking at that and when we're measuring that as a metric. But here's what we can see from the data is that uh, clients are starting out in the program with about a 6.8 on that scale from zero to 10, a 6.8 in terms of their severity of their digestive system symptoms, and that reduced down to a 3.3 by the end of this program. And then when it came to their reproductive system symptoms, they on average started at about a 6.9, and that reduced down to a 2.6 as far as the severity by the end of the program.
Then, of course, anytime we're talking about pain, we have to look at symptoms uh, or severity of anxiety and depression. And so, of course, we measure that in this program. They're measured on a scale from zero to 10. So severity of anxiety, severity of depression. In general, on average, my clients start out at a, a 6.7 level of anxiety on that scale of zero to 10, and they reduce down to a 3.9 out of 10 for their anxiety. And then for depression, they're, de they're reported a 5.8 for severity of depression when starting out in the program, and that reduced down to a 2.5 level um, out of 10 for depression. Then when it comes to pain, we also have to factor in the pain-related fears, the pain-related anxiety, the pain-related stress, and then the pain-related negative thoughts and beliefs. All of that plays a pretty big role in the pain problem. And so we want that to come down. We want the pain-related fear and anxiety and stress and negative thoughts to come down. And so, of course, we measure that in this program. I use a well-researched, well-studied tool where the maximum score, like the highest possible score for negative pain-related fear, anxiety, and all of that is a 52. So the maximum score is a 52. On average, at the start of the program, my clients are coming into the program with a score of 26.9. So 26.9 starting out on a scale, the maximum of 52. At the end of the program, their scores on average are 9.4, which is fantastic because this is a well-studied assessment tool in research. And in order to reach a level of clinical and statistical significance, an improvement has to happen of 10 or more points on this scale. But what we're actually seeing in this program is that my clients are improving on average by 17.5 points on this scale, which it goes way beyond the level of statistical and clinical significance, which is fantastic. This shows that this is, this is real change that's happening through this program. So now that you've had a chance to kind of take a look at the actual data, let's just quickly talk about what this data actually shows. What this data shows us is that pain is interfering in my clients' lives by nearly 40% less on average, okay? Pain is having a 40% smaller impact in their lives. Could you imagine that? Like, imagine having your pain having a 40% smaller impact in your life in just 16 weeks. This is huge. Okay. For those clients who literally have tried everything before, before starting this program, who had pain for years, most of them five to 15 years, they're able to say that in such, in a relatively short period of time, that their pain has much less of an impact in their life. This is giving them so much more life back. This means that pain has less control and they have more control back. This data shows us that my clients are actually experiencing significantly lower levels of pain, like statistically and clinically lower levels of pain. I love seeing when clients' pain at its worst drops significantly because we don't want to live at those high levels of pain. We want to bring the high intensity pain down because when pain is at its worst, that's when it's impossible to think or get anything done. And that's when you really have no other choice but to really take medications for it. And so bringing down that pain intensity at its worst is a really big deal to me. So could you imagine dropping your pain at its worst down to a four out of 10? Like how much more manageable is that? Four is not great, but if that's 
as high as it gets. If it used to get up to an eight, nine, or a 10, how much more will you be able to function? Now, not only are my clients experiencing less pain, but the data shows us that they're also getting more active, okay? On average, my clients are able to boost their activity tolerance, their tolerance for activity by almost 40%. That's huge because that allows them so much more freedom to do more of the physical things and more of the mental things and also escaping disability. They're getting more active and at the same time, experiencing less pain, which if you've lived in pain for a long time, you understand that a lot of the time, anytime you try to get more active, it just causes more pain, but not for my clients because they're, they're getting more active. They're able to do more of the day-to-day -day activities. They're able to exercise more and move more. They're able to do more of the fun stuff, like playing with their kids or the grandkids or going outside and getting in the garden or going on walks, things like that. The things that actually really matter and bring you joy. This data shows us that my clients are also experiencing more energy. They're cutting their levels of fatigue by about 33% on average. And with less fatigue, again, they have more of that energy to do what brings them joy and brings them purpose. They're more able to get up in the morning and get going and get moving and not feel like they're constantly just dragging along. They have that energy again, all right? And then also, this data also shows that with 34% less brain fog on average, my clients are able to think more clearly. They feel more sharp. They feel more present and in the moment. And they feel like they don't constantly have their head stuck inside of this dark cloud all the time, okay? The, the data shows us that my clients are getting more quality sleep, which is amazing because so many people with chronic pain have struggled with not getting good quality sleep. And so not only are they getting better quality sleep on average, my clients are also gaining an hour of sleep each night. Like how much more can that hour give them? How much more healing and restoration and less brain fog and, and recovery can that extra hour of sleep bring? That extra hour of sleep is so big because it means that my clients are waking up, feeling more well-rested and feeling restored. It's giving them a, their bodies a chance to heal. Um, then the data also shows that symptoms involving the digestive and reproductive systems are dropping on average by 35% and 43% respectively. Y'all, that is huge. Like I'm going to do a little bit of a, a sort of a humble brag here for a moment because this program has almost nothing to do with techniques that directly affect the digestive system or the reproductive system. But this goes to show you that so many of these unpleasant digestive system symptoms and these reproductive system symptoms are impacted by our nervous system. It's constantly having to be in this state of fight or flight. And again, this data shows that these clients were able to reduce their digestive system symptoms by 35%, and their reproductive system symptoms by about 43% without actually doing any supplements or making any dietary changes or anything like that, right? We don't directly treat the digestive or reproductive systems with this approach, but it goes to show you that the nervous system is playing such a big role in the pain problem. And then that impacts the other systems in our body. Okay. And then the data shows that on average, my clients are feeling less depressed and less anxious overall. And that means that that gives them a much better sense of joy and peace and calmness and control. 
right? And again, this goes to show us that the anxiety that you feel and the depression that you feel is not the cause of your pain. Like so many of our doctors and our providers make us feel like it's like it's all in your head and you're just anxious and that's why you have pain. Like, no, that's not the case because anxiety and depression are symptoms of the problem. And this data goes to show us that by addressing our nervous system, we can actually reduce those symptoms of anxiety and depression, right? And then kind of along those same lines, the data shows us that my clients have significantly less fear, anxiety, stress, and negative health-related thoughts and beliefs. You know, when you really think about it, pain leads to so much fear and worry and fear about the future, fear that this will never get better, fear that this will be forever, fear that it will get worse. There's a fear that, you know, I don't know what's really going on. And then there's these thoughts that, you know, your body is not safe, your joints are at risk for injury because they're fragile, because they're damaged, or because they're broken or weak. And all of that, those thoughts believes it leads to so much more stress and the pain puts our thoughts on these paths that takes us down these really negative, really scary thought spirals. And those thoughts themselves can become overwhelming and can really consume you. And so much of that fear, so much of those thoughts can feed back into the pain problem itself. Because if you're having those thoughts and those fears, it only provides more evidence in a sense that the nervous system needs to really amp up its protective responses, right? And so it's really important to get a handle on those thoughts and learn through learning pain neuroscience and through learning simple strategies that you can do, learning new tools that you can use to control your pain is very important in controlling the actual pain itself, right? Like knowing that you have things that you can do to control your pain gives you so much more peace of mind and knowing more information about what's really going on in your body gives you so much more peace of mind. And having that peace of mind can and does result in less pain because it reduces this need to protect. And so the data shows that my clients are seeing these significant improvements in their pain-related fears, their pain-related anxiety and stress levels, and their pain and health-related negative thoughts and beliefs. And that gives them so much more freedom and a sense of control and confidence, which is really cool. Now, I want to really quickly go over what this data doesn't show, because this data gives me some really good information about this program and this approach being effective, but it doesn't give us a complete picture. There's quite a bit of information that this data does not show us. Number one, this data doesn't show us that this program is a cure. I never have and never will be able to guarantee a cure for chronic pain or that anyone will be pain-free after 16 weeks right? After 16 weeks, my clients are not cured of their pain. They're not pain-free for good for the rest of their lives, just like that. And there may be some people listening who see this data and these metrics and look at it and go, you know, well, her clients are still in pain. What a ripoff. And if you're someone who is still kind of thinking along those lines, you know, because the clients, my clients finish the program and after 16 weeks and they still do experience pain and they're not quote unquote, cured from the pain, the pain that they've had for most likely five to 15 years or more, if you're still kind of thinking that way, then this program is not for you because you're still searching for a quick fix. You're still looking for some kind of magical quick fix. And, and so if you're still kind of thinking that way, you know, 
the human body just doesn't work that way. Based on what I know about pain and the neuroscience of pain, once you've had chronic pain, you may never be able to ever be 100% pain-free. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have pain-free days or pain-free weeks or months or even years, but based on what I know about the nervous system, we may never be able to completely get rid of pain for good and just be zero out of 10 pain 100% of the time for good forever and never have another flare up again, right? The human body just doesn't work that way. And not only that, this program is only, it's only 16 weeks long. So if it is the cure for chronic pain, it may take a little bit longer than 16 weeks to address 15 years of hardwired pathways in the nervous system. And that really brings me to the second thing that this data doesn't show. Okay, the data only gives us a picture of what happens in the first 16 weeks. This data doesn't show us what happens next or what happens after the first 16 weeks. This data is just a snapshot of what happens in the first 16 weeks of my clients learning and implementing this approach. So this is just the beginning. If they can experience this extent of improvements across all categories in just 16 weeks, what if we extended some of those lines out further over time? How much more improvement can they achieve and make in the next 16 weeks after that or in the months and years that follow, right? So that is definitely something to keep in mind. In my program and in my approach, I teach my clients everything that I know about chronic pain so that they have the knowledge and they're equipped with the tools and strategies and the system and the framework that they can use long after they finish the program. And that doesn't mean that this approach, this is an approach that you just have to do day in and day out for the rest of your life in order for it to have an impact. My clients learn that at some point they should be able to swap out some of the drills that they've learned in the program with more movement, with more exercise, right? As they experience less and less pain, they need to rely less and less on these drills and become more and more active. So instead of spending their time on the drills that they learned in the program, they're spending their time at the gym. They're doing something physical to promote health and strength in their body, right? And at the same time, they have these tools in their back pocket because they have the knowledge and the skills and the experience with using them that they can pull out at any time in the event that they experience a flare-up. And at the same time, they have the knowledge of how to predict and prevent their flare-ups from happening, okay? And speaking of flare-ups, the third thing that this data doesn't show is the data doesn't show the improvements my clients are experiencing with their flare-ups altogether, right? When you look at that data, there's nothing there to measure flare-ups. So this data doesn't really paint the full picture because the reduction in the intensity, the duration, and the severity of their flare-ups, those improvements that my clients are experiencing in their flare-ups is not represented in this data. But let me tell you, my clients are having shorter and less intense flare-ups. They have longer stretches of good days between their flare-ups and fewer bad days. And they have less fear of flare-ups and they have more control over what they can do if and when a flare-up happens. Cool? Then number four, this data doesn't show how the quality of pain improves, only the intensity. And when you look at this data, you'll see that the only measures we have for pain are pain at its worst and pain at its best. And I've spoken about this many times, but pain is so complicated. It really can't be summarized in these simple pain scales. 
And I'm sure you guys know this because you hate these pain scales just as much as I do, because you know how subjective pain is. You know how difficult it is to accurately quantify pain intensity. And what I found is that these pain scale tools don't give us the full picture of what's going on. And I'm sure you guys know that. And so what this data doesn't show when it comes to the improvements in pain that my clients are experiencing has to do with the quality of the pain. And what I mean by that is my clients not only experience less pain intensity, but less widespread pain overall. So for example, I've had a client start the program with widespread, like head to toe pain, like pain in nearly every part of her body. And she finished the program reporting pain only in the bottoms of her feet when she walked for too long. And just so you can see an example of how the pain scales could be very misleading. She would say that the pain in her feet would come on very intense, like at an eight level, but then only last for a few moments. And so she'd say that her pain at its worst was an eight because of that pain in her feet. But that doesn't tell us how much she had already improved from having widespread pain in her head, neck, shoulders, hips, knees, backs, shins, wrists, and feet at eight, nine, or 10 levels constantly for over 15 years to having sudden short periods of high intensity pain only in her feet when walking for too long, right? So that's what I mean by pain intensity is just one measure. The quality of the pain is sometimes more important, but it's just too hard for us to quantify that objectively, right? But location or widespreadness improves um, and also duration of pain improves, frequency of pain improves. Those are things that are improving in my clients that this data just doesn't show, okay? And then also it's not just pain itself, but also other unpleasant sensations that improve as well. So, so those are things like numbness or tingling, um, crawling, cramping, burning, uh, feeling like itchiness or heaviness, and then also swelling or discoloration, just to name a few different examples. But some people do have these unusual or uncomfortable sensations that they wouldn't necessarily describe as pain as well, but those things do improve as well. Okay. And then number five, the fifth thing that this data doesn't show, and quite possibly most importantly, this data doesn't show the effect that these improvements have had on my clients' lives. Okay. Many of my clients are able to reduce their use of medications, many of them coming off certain medications altogether. And right, we're not just talking about opiates, we're talking about other medications as well, things like Lyrica or Gabapentin or antidepressants all kinds of medications that they didn't want to be on that this program helps them get, get the confidence to come off their medications because they no longer wanted to deal with those nasty side effects. And also it actually goes beyond the use of medications, right? Many get to cut their use of therapy and doctor appointments and visits to the ER drastically as well, saving them so much time and money and heartache. One of my clients actually said to me that she felt like she didn't actually ever need physical therapy anymore. And then also that she had this appointment scheduled with her doctor that she had kind of felt like canceling because she didn't feel like she needed it, but she went anyway. And at the appointment, her doctor didn't know what to do because he kept wanting to write her a new prescription, but she kept telling him, you know, I don't need it because I haven't taken the ones that you already gave me last time. And so her doctor was just like, well, then what do you want, right? If you don't want more medications, why are you here? And she was just kind of like, I don't know, nothing. <laughs> but 
Yeah, that's what's really cool is when you get less pain, one of the benefits is you don't need as many doctor appointments or therapy appointments, right? And then also many of my clients were able to get back to work and use less sick days or increase their hours at work, avoiding disability and gaining more purpose and having more financial freedom. I've had clients who had to quit their jobs because of pain or had lost their jobs because of pain who were then able to start thinking about getting back to work, only this time actually thinking about what they actually wanted to do. I've seen it over and over again. You guys are desperately craving the need to fulfill a purpose and of course make some money and be financially stable. But pain is keeping you from being able to feel like you're able to contribute. And so it's all about getting you back to feeling like you're able to have purpose in this life. And that's one of the most fun parts about my job is that I get to help people get better so that they can get back out there and do what they were put on this planet to do. Okay. Then of course, there's the fun stuff, right? So many people come to me and say, you know, I only have the ability to go to work and come home and then I just can't do anything else. I have nothing because I have nothing left. And so you can't do the stuff that's fun. You can't spend the quality time or do the playing that gives our lives so much color and vibrancy. And so what you don't see in this data is the impact it has on their lives in that area as well. You know, my clients are less afraid to do things that they had been avoiding or unable to do for a long period of time. Things like playing with their kids, playing sports, working out or traveling and socializing, entertaining, gardening, riding horses, or being intimate with their partners. I've seen clients book trips that they had been putting off for years. I've had clients who were able to get out and start socializing more and going on dates with their spouses again. I've seen clients regain some intimacy back into their lives. And I've seen clients who were able to rekindle their lost love of creating art. And overall, you know, my clients are more confident. They're feeling more sharp. They're feeling stronger. They're feeling empowered and in control. And they have more freedom and less fear and worry. And so if you're anything like my clients when they were first getting started and reluctant to invest in anything else for fear that it won't work, just like everything else that you've already tried, and you struggle to imagine what it would be like or what it could be like for your pain to be any better than it is now. I want you to know that my clients are not special or different. The majority of my clients have struggled with chronic pain for five to 15 years. They've tried it all and they too were tired and fed up and frustrated and skeptical, just like you are. And that's the thing. My clients started out exactly where you are right now. They had tried it all. They'd been misled and misinformed and let down by the medical system. They didn't know what else they could do. They didn't have the knowledge or the skills or the tools or the support, the guidance, the community or the accountability. And they didn't have confidence in their self that they could do this. Everyone starts out like that. And then they had to learn. They had to commit to saying, okay, I know that what we've been doing up until now hasn't worked. And I know I need something different. I need something new, but I'm going to lean in. I'm going to commit to learning and commit to trying out what I learned and practicing. And y'all, that's it. They didn't have to believe that it would work, right? Like some of their programs or methods will tell you that you really need to believe that it will work in order for it to work. Now, I've had clients who every step of the way didn't think that it would work for them and that this didn't apply to them, and yet it still worked. So we're not talking about the placebo effect here. 
so yeah, I'm sure you're skeptical just like they were, but I hope that by being transparent with you and sharing this data with you that you can see that this does work. And like I said, where you are right now is exactly where everyone is at before they get started. And all it takes is one decision to say, okay, not this, not anymore. So before I wrap this up, I want you to imagine for just a moment what it would feel like for you if in just four months down the road, four months from now, your pain had 40% less of an impact on your life than it does right now. Imagine having more energy and less fatigue in four months. Imagine what it would feel like getting up in the mornings after a whole extra hour of sleep and waking up feeling more well-rested after getting better quality sleep. Imagine four months from now being able to become more active and increase your activity level without increasing your pain. And imagine what it would be like to break out of that push and crash cycle and having a system that allows you to get more active with less pain. Imagine your digestive problems and your reproductive system problems improving. Imagine having less anxiety and depression. Imagine having that confidence and control in your body, not having the constant worry about the pain or what's wrong or what you did wrong or how long it will last or how much worse it could get. That's what your life could be like in just four months. But the only way you'll be able to get those kinds of results is trusting in a proven method that will teach you and support you every step of the way. And it all starts with a free one-on-one -on -one conversation with me over the phone. That's all for now, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. And a special thank you to all of my former clients. Thank you for trusting me to be your guide, your coach, your friend, your mentor. Thank you so much. You guys are rock stars. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Chronic Pain Breakup Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you want to take this relationship to the next level, you can connect with me and other pain crusaders inside my private Facebook group, Battling Chronic Pain with Neuroscience, where these episodes are actually recorded live. And I'd love to hear from you. Share your questions and biggest struggles with your chronic pain recovery journey by reaching out to me on Facebook or on Instagram at Pain Crusader. Thanks again for listening and never stop learning.